and welcome to the 66 to 87 podcast, the Friday edition uh, here on BK Sports Radio. I'm your host, Tom Reed, uh, with our distinguished Penguins beat writers, Dave Molinari and Taylor Haas. And uh, gang, uh, the the Penguins finally have a little bit of streak of games where uh, they don't have to apologize for anything they, they, they're doing and the way they're collecting points. I think uh, early in the year, they were winning some games where they were like, well, you know, we were kind of lucky to win that game. The other team made mistakes late in the game. I think of some of those early Ranger games where they kind of came back where the Rangers kind of fell apart. And they were, they were getting points but really didn't look very good. Where I would say this stretch of the last four games, which has included three wins, including last night's, 4-1 win against the Islanders at home uh, is a different type of animal. I think they're playing better. I think that two of their last three games have been their two best games, the Sunday afternoon game with the win over Washington, and then last night the 4-1 win against the Islanders. Dave, is, is this the kind of hockey that's going to allow the Penguins to compete in this mass mutual East Division? Oh yeah, well, I I mean I I think it's uh, you know pretty much mandatory that that they play the way uh, that they have most of the time lately. Um, the four to one win against the Islanders Thursday night was I think their best overall performance of the season. Uh, it incorporated uh, you know a lot of the elements that that they're going to need. Um, you know including a strong performance by Tristan Jari in goal. Um, certainly, I think it was his best performance of the season. He was one of several guys who I thought had their their best games of the season. Uh, if they could play like that on a consistent basis, uh, they could have a pretty good season. You know, but, uh, you know, one game or even a handful of games does not a season make, and the, the onus will be on them to do this with uh, some regularity. Taylor, this is the first game all season. Last night was game 15. First time that the, the Penguins did not trail in a game, did, getting reinforcing the point that this is the kind of hockey you need to play uh, to start kind of moving up the ladder in that East Division. Yeah, and like Dave said, I think one of the biggest uh, things there is is Jari's play. The, this game and then that first game against Washington, two of his better performances uh, all season. And then uh, another part of that is just like the defense. Um, you know, some of the guys that were maybe uh, injured or just, you know, uh, struggled a bit early in the season, like Matheson, really, they've, you know, been putting together strong games. Cody Cece's been, been really good lately, so... Uh, and then, you know, getting Aston Reese back and just how good that, that third line has been. Uh, you're really seeing a really complete performance, you know, down down the lineup. I, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, again, you, you mentioned that, 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 that Teddy Bluger line. I mean, right off the bat, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily show up in the, uh, in, in, the, in the goals or points, but Brandon Tanev and Casey Zekas right off, you know, right early in the game, a fight. That seemed to kind of energize the guys. And not long after that, uh, Crosby with the tip in, uh, they just seemed to play a lot better. But as you guys both mentioned, uh, this team's not going anywhere unless they get better goaltending. And over the last three games, all started and and completed uh, by Tristan Jari. 
a 9.33 save percentage. That's the kind of winning goaltending you need. Now, certainly he wasn't as certainly at his top of his game uh, on Tuesday night, but I didn't think played poorly. But boy, last night I thought he played really well. Bailed out Malkin uh, when they were leading two two nothing and almost could have given the Islanders a, a way back into the game. Dave, is this this is the kind of goaltending we expected at the start of the season from Jari? Well, it's, at the very least, it's it's what uh, the Penguins were hoping to get from him, and and the way he played, uh, certainly through the you know the uh, early part of, of last season that that got him you know into the All Star game, and ultimately, I think you know persuaded uh, management that uh, Matt Murray was the the goalie that they would trade and that they would uh, cast their fate with with Tristan Jari. Um, a performance like he had on Thursday night, you know, validates that decision. But uh, again, he's going to have to do that on a uh, on a fairly regular basis. Maybe it's not realistic to expect him to be quite as good as he was uh, Thursday night every game, but he has to be pretty close to that level, uh, you know, on just about every start if they're going to have a successful season. Taylor, again, no no exhibition games, a very short training camp. And one of the things that we talked about here on the podcast in the first couple of weeks was it seemed like they were going back and forth with Casey DeSmith. He was getting some games. And quite frankly, Casey DeSmith was the, the better goalie early in the season. I think we all three of us kind of agreed that at some point here, Mike Sullivan was going to have to kind of give Tristan Jari a rack of games to say, okay, let's see what you can do. I think this is a positive sign that that he's kind of handled this pretty well. Uh, hasn't really been leaky as he was uh, earlier in the season or, and has made the big saves at the crucial times that you need from your number one goalie. Yeah, I mean, even even that loss uh, in between these these two these last two great games, um, they were outshot like forty two to twenty seven, and right. you know, he, he was the reason why it was as close as it was. Um, so just a, a, a real run of really strong performances from him. And, and that's encouraging to see that, you know, he, it's, it's consecutive starts, um, which is what you need going down the stretch because it, as good as Casey was for some of those games, I mean, he, he's not good enough to be a one B, um, you know, eventually he's going to fall off. So it's, it's good that the Jari is, uh, really becoming the starter we thought he would. Yeah, I think this was an important game. I mean, again, following up off of Sunday's game where they played real well, I thought their their performance level really dipped uh, uh, in in the game too. And again, they're they're playing a good team in Washington, but to bounce back against a team that we've let's face it, we've talked about this. And the Islanders have been hot. Uh, this is one of those teams you're probably going to have to knock off uh, to get into one of those top four positions. Uh, to make the playoffs here, Dave. So in, in that vein, how important was this start for Jari to kind of bounce back and, and lift this team uh, tonight, or last night? Uh, you know, every, every start for him is important, you know, and when, when he can put together a few strong ones in a row, you know, it gives you a good foundation to build on. Um, you know, I liked, I thought he was more, aggressive with challenging shooters uh, to, on uh, Thursday night than, than he had been for most of the season. 
that's usually a sign that a, that a goalie is feeling it, that he's, uh, he's confident in his abilities. And if uh, Jari can uh, feel that way and, and be justified in doing so, uh, that can only bode well for the Penguins. Taylor, to picking up on Dave's point, I think early in the season, uh, we saw some goals going against him where he was very deep in the net. Uh, in you know, I can think of multiple instances early in the year. He does seem, as Dave just mentioned, to be out a little higher on the cr- top of his crease, challenging, uh, challenging shooters. That's got to be a positive sign f- for him and and the Penguins. Yeah, I mean that that aggressive play is is what we saw from him, you know, last season when he was at his best, and that was really missing, um, you know, the early part of the season. So yeah, just just having that back is just a sign of you know what what where his confidence is at right now. Uh, speaking of confidence and a guy starting to play well, um, I think you guys both noticed this and you wrote about it. Uh, his name was mentioned certainly on our website today. Mike Matheson uh, thought played really well in the game against uh, Washington, uh, the win on Sunday. And really, again, what a play uh, on the one goal where he seemed to almost pass the puck off the backboard to himself and then sets up a goal for a teammate. Uh, Dave, this guy looks like he's starting to feel a little bit. Well, yeah, and uh, almost had nothing to do with it, Tom. I mean, that was a play that he – you know, he did intentionally. He yeah. essentially passed the puck to himself uh, off the backboards. Uh, to, led to uh, Teddy Bluger's goal. Um, you know, he, uh, you know, is, is getting his game back to the uh, the place where it was a, a couple of years ago when he was in Florida and they decided to uh, give him a contract that, that runs for uh, the rest of recorded time. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, uh, validating, you know, what the, uh, what the Panthers did and, you know, is, uh, is starting to show that he's capable of playing at the, at the level that I'm, I'm sure the Penguins wanted to see from him, you know, when they made that trade. Taylor, there was a a player early in the game last night, and this is kind of one of his, one of his strengths when he's on his game is his mobility. And normally we're thinking of it uh, going forward. But boy, he made a great back check. Uh, I, I think may have saved a goal uh, where he comes back into play, just tips it right before the Islanders guy is going to either put it really on goal or put it behind Jari. Uh, that mobility, when, when he's on his game, is a real strength for this team. What did you see? What have you seen in these last couple of games? Yeah, I mean, when, when he was signed, that was, you know, what – you know, management spoke highly of just mobility, but then really like his offensive instincts too. And that's what we've been seeing in these couple of games where, where he's had really strong games. Um, I mean, he, we, you know, we talk about the assist on the blue gurgle, but um, I mean, he had a couple of other plays like that where he didn't get assists. I mean, leading up to the Crosby goal, if you roll the the film back, he had a couple of good moves, um, you know, just to keep the puck in uh, along the blue line. That's what I was going to write about uh, for drive to the net before Matheson, you know, continued playing so well that he became the game story. Um, but, I mean, yeah, he had a couple of chances of his own, too. It was, uh, I think, midway through the third, right, just after the Zucker goal, he nearly had a – he had a really good scoring chance. So, I mean, it's that, it's that offense, uh, the offensive instincts from, from Matheson that uh, 
that's that's what you want to see from him. All right. We've got a lot more here for you t- today on the 66 to 87 podcast. We're going to be joined by Baby Penguins play-by-play man, Nick Hart, who does wears so many hats down there in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton. Uh, he'll join us in the third segment. Coming up, we'll bat around some issues uh, revolving this team and also uh, this East Division. Uh, Please come back on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. Back to the 66 to 87 podcast here on DK Sports Radio. All right, guys, let's kick around some topics. Uh, one thing that we did not mention in the first segment was, uh, you know, there's been so much, so many issues with the team's second line, centered by uh, Evgeny Malkin, that that Mike Sullivan and the coaching staff was finally compelled to make to tinker. And to make some some changes on the top two lines, Kasperi Kapanen uh, ends up going to the first line with Sidney Crosby. Brian Rust, who started the season on the second line, bounces back to the second line last night to play with Malkin. Um, what did you think of the changes, Dave? Uh, I mean, it's hard to argue with with them, you know, given given the result uh, of the game. Uh, you know, it uh, it seemed to get uh, Kapanen back on on track a, a bit. You know, initially it looked like he had scored the Penguins' first goal, although replays showed pretty conclusively that uh, Crosby deflected it on the way in. Uh, whether it's coincidence or not, uh, being uh, reunited with Rust uh, seemed to have a positive impact on on Malkin. Uh, Malkin had probably his best game of the season, although, you know, the bar for that is uh, not set very high. And he did have a rather ghastly giveaway that allowed the uh, Islanders to get a two-on-one shorthanded break early in the third that could have really altered the course of the game um, if uh, Cal Clutterbuck's shot had been just a bit below the crossbar instead of off the crossbar but you know and Jason Zucker you know had a uh, a pretty nice game with with rust on that line as well so you know it, it it's hard to say exactly how much uh flipping the the right wingers on the top two lines uh altered things but you know it's, you certainly can't make a case that it didn't have a positive impact so if the if the Penguins can continue to get uh, the kind of production from their top six guys that they did uh, Thursday night, I think they'll be pretty happy. Taylor, jump in there. Yeah, I mean, last season, Malkin, when he was at his best, he did have Rust on his wing. He had Gensel on his uh, other wing, but um, so I think getting Rust, you know, could be good for for getting him going again. Um, Captain and Crosby, I thought, great together. And just, you know, that one game that we saw together uh, of them, I mean, that's where we thought Captain would, would start the season. But, um, I mean, the second line, we're still, you know, waiting for Malkin to come around. But, um, I mean, this was at least a, a good start. All right. Um, on, on, on Thursday morning, I hope you listened to all 
all of our podcasts, all of our, 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 our daily shots. Uh, DK had an interesting one, uh, Penguin related, on Malkin. And uh, within within that uh, daily shot was was one of the reasons he thinks uh, Malkin has had this slow start is is the, his off season and the fact that he just doesn't look like he's skating very well, and the fact that he early in the season when his struggles were, were first became apparent. Uh, is there anything to that? Do you think do you, do, does, uh, is you either not train properly or not train enough coming into a season, especially when there's no training camp and or very little training camp and no exhibition games to really kind of get yourself going? Well, I mean, Malkin acknowledged uh, a while ago that, you know, the, uh, some of the workout facilities that he uh, normally would use in Russia were closed because of uh, pandemic-related restrictions. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's uh, reasonable to say that he's not in the uh, kind of physical condition that uh, he would uh, like to be and, you know, obviously hasn't been uh, since the start of training camp. You know, how, how much of a factor that is... Uh, in his performance to this point, you know, is hard to say, but it, it certainly uh, couldn't be a positive one. Yeah, I mean, if I could jump in there, I have the, the quote pulled up. It was uh, January 29th, so about three weeks ago. Uh, he was asked if he had a normal off-season of training. He said no. Uh, we know the situation. Everything is closed in Russia. We have ice, but we don't have gyms because everything is closed. It's not easy to find. Um he goes on to say, uh, it's not the same without a normal training camp, but I'm doing my best. I'm trying to do little workouts with my body, squats, push-ups. I feel okay. My legs, my body, I feel fine. It's tough to say about my game right now. Any good things, I just hope it's coming. Um, so I don't know if that's it. I, I I think part of it is just, you know, mental too. Um, I mean, both uh, Sullivan now and, and players have said that, you know, when Malkin kind of gets into a funk, he can kind of, you know, get in his own head and maybe that can exacerbate it, um, overthinking things. So there's that I've, he, with that same day when he mentioned his training, um, unprompted, he brought up that, you know, no fans in the building and how that's a little different. So I don't know if Malkin's a guy that maybe feeds off the crowd more and needs that energy. Um, there's that too. I don't know. And then I don't know how big of a deal this would be, but, um, his, his his wife and son weren't living in Pittsburgh for, for most of the season. They did just get to Pittsburgh, I saw on, on his wife's Instagram. Um, so they're finally here. But I, so I don't know if that was maybe hard on him mentally. I mean, he's definitely not the only guy on the team in that situation who uh, maybe their wife or their, their family aren't, aren't living with them uh, this season. But, I mean, there, there are a couple of things that, you know, could be affecting Malkin mentally. And with, you know, with any yeah. player. And to be clear, he didn't show up. Go ahead, Dave. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, any player, even even guys with uh, world class reputations, you know, when they hit a uh, hit a slump, it tends to be self perpetuating. Just as uh, when a guy gets on a hot streak, uh, you know, he, he gets on a roll and, and tends to stay there for a while. 
it's uh, confidence is such an important part of uh, you know of an athlete's game, and it's uh, certainly understandable if if Malkin hasn't been playing with much of it this season, you know, based on his performances. Taylor, I want to touch on something. Uh, go back and circle back something you just mentioned because I've heard this mentioned by teams, by players, and there'll be fans out there that say, "Oh, that's an excuse." That's just another excuse for somebody or a team not playing well. But I think there is something to the idea that some athletes, some teams respond to outside stimulus more than others. Others can go out there. Let's be honest. You guys, you guys are in the rinks. Those, it's almost like a practice setting, right? There, there really are, are no fans at the games. And I think some guys are struggling with this. I think some teams are struggling with this, not having their home fans, not having any fans uh, at these games. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. It, the atmosphere in the building, it's definitely different. I mean, they they, they do the best they, they can. Like, they pump in, you know, light crowd noise, and they, they you know, turn up when they when they score. But the energy is just not – not it, it feels more like a, like a preseason game. Um, I mean, PPG wasn't the loudest building to begin with, but uh, it, it definitely feels so different in there. Yeah, and it's 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 the road games too, right? I mean, you 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 feed off sometimes negative negative uh, fan reactions. Uh, you get sometimes get more pumped up playing on the road. Uh, so it is a weird thing, and I think it's going to be something uh, through the course of the season to, to kind of see if players finally do adjust. All right, I want to switch topics here real quick. Before you get to that, though, maybe yeah. maybe that's why Florida's doing so well in the Central Division. They're used to it. They're used to not having fans. <laughs> There's nothing new here for them. Unbelievable. What a, wait until I tell Bill Zito you said that. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, let's move on. Another positive player, uh, a guy that since he's been back in the lineup is just continues. I think he had another point last night. Aston Reese, I said, Dave, you had an interesting uh, – story the other uh, other day about you know maybe uh, putting this guy on the power play give him a chance to to, to play that role in uh, screening the goalie uh you know the way that Patrick Cornquist did so successfully for years uh anything to kind of get this power play going I mean uh they ended up winning and ended up winning in a counter last night at 4-1 but there was a there was a point in that game yesterday second period uh, they're up one nothing, and they have a five-on-three power play. And for the first minute or so, it was just pass and pass and pass. And finally, they got some shots on it. it didn't score. Could, could what do you think? Could Reese could Reese help there? You you think he really could help there? Oh, I you know he certainly he wouldn't hurt at this point. You know it would be kind of tough. I I think they're in a streak now of one for their last twenty-eight. Um, you know. There, there's no guarantee that that he would work out as uh, the net front presence, and I, I don't know that anybody uh, would work out as a net front presence if nobody's going to throw the puck toward the net. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to get deflections and rebounds if there aren't initial shots to begin with. But you know he uh, he's sturdy enough and and willing to uh, absorb the punishment that would go with uh, playing around the crease. And uh, while he hasn't shown a whole lot of offensive uh, touch in the NHL, at least until this season when he had three three goals in his first four games, uh, he did put up 
uh, some pretty nice numbers his last season at uh, Northeastern. Uh, I want to say 31 goals in 38 games. Uh, so it shows that, you know, there is uh, something in those hands. And, uh, you know, I think, I think he at least deserves a, an audition in, in that role. Might work out, he might not, but uh, I think it's worth a try. Taylor, you 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 know, Dave's kind of saying that, that, that he could maybe get some deflections or, or get some points, some garbage uh, points, uh, goals around the net. But, you know, a big part of that is just being in the way. I think Thomas Holmstrom played for I don't know how many years in Detroit, and his and his best quality on the power play was just being in the way. And, you know, you take a beating, if you're willing to stand out there and, and take a beating, pucks bounce off you, they bounce back to one of your teammates, you put it in the net. Uh, is that a guy that, that you think would be willing to stand in there and, and kind of help the team out that way, maybe get a couple of garbage goals, but just create chaos? Yeah, I mean, he's always had that kind of uh, Patrick Hornquist element to his game. Um, and with with Aston Reese, you know, he had he had his uh, shoulder surgery in August, and uh, when he came back, he he said that that injury dated back to his first season in the league, and um, it just kind of weakened over time, and before you know, necessitated necessitated surgery, and that you know, before he had the surgery, he would be hesitant going into those kind of battles, um, where he was he said he was worried about his shoulder popping out, so. Now he says, you know, it feels better than ever. It feels better than it did before the surgery. So just just having that confidence, um, I think, would help him in a role like that. And then, I mean, we're seeing, you know, his scoring um, coming back, the offense coming back. Uh, so, I mean, that that can't hurt either. And you look at the advanced stats, and he's just uh, so – he makes such an impact on, like, the high-danger scoring chances, which, uh, you know, those are the ones right around the net. So – um, I, I'm I'm all for giving him a shot in that role. Yeah, since he's come back in the lineup and kind of been reunited with Bluger and with Tanif, that that line seems to have picked up where they left off last year. Now that was more kind of considered their fourth line last year. Uh, this year they've kind of moved up as as some guys have have moved on. Uh, uh, all the best to Patrick Marlowe, uh, but. Uh, the guys that have kind of kind of taken over in that fourth line role right now, to me, Dave, have not really established much of an identity. It's almost, uh, you know, the efforts there, but it just they just have not clicked. And you don't need necessarily goals from your fourth line, but you'd like to get some momentum or carry over momentum from the last shift. And right now, I'm not seeing that. What what are you seeing? Uh, I'm pretty much not seeing the same thing that you're not seeing. Uh, there isn't an identity for that line. It seems kind of like a, uh, a holding pen for the spare forwards. Yeah. Uh, you know, there are guy, you know, uh, Sam Lafferty, if, if he brings physicality to the game, he could, uh, be a, you know, be a, an asset on that line. Um, you know, early in the season, Jankowski looked like he might be able to, uh, add a little more offense than you necessarily would look for, you know, from a, from a bottom six forward, but he seems to have gotten that out of his system. Um, so, you know, it's uh, at this point that that line really isn't contributing a whole lot in, in, in any aspect of the game. 
if, if I'm if I remember correctly, early in the year, Janikowski was playing with Tanif. Am I right, Taylor? And then his Tanif kind of, and McCann, yeah. Yeah. So that 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 is kind of he's kind of bounced back. What can that line be if if, if it's and what needs to change? Uh, again, we're the, the, we're not expecting them to add a bunch of goals or stuff like that. And certainly this is a league where there's not much fighting anymore. So you're not going to be starting a bunch of uh, fights to get going. What, do, what, what should we expect from that fourth line and what is missing? I'm yeah. not sure that there's a whole lot more that we can expect from it. I, I think that, uh, as, as I mentioned, Lafferty, I think, can be – more physical, uh, you know, uh, or physical on a more regular basis. I, I think he has that in him. Um, yeah. But really, guys like Jankowski and uh, Sevier, you know, they are what they are. And, you know, they're, you know, they're bottom six guys, you know, fourth liners. I don't know that you can realistically expect a whole lot more from them than you're getting. And, you know, it's uh, still too early in, in Drew O'Connor's career, I think, to have a, a really good handle on, on what you can anticipate from him this season. Taylor, jump in there. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like, I, I don't even know if they have anyone in, in Wilkes-Barre who I think would come up and, you know, maybe turn things around. They should be getting Rodriguez back. Um I, we don't we don't know for sure. He just started skating, but at least if you put him on that line, maybe you could get some more scoring out of that line. But like you said, they really don't have an identity, and they really just kind of keep shuffling the wingers in and out uh, between Sevier, Lafferty, and O'Connor. None of the combinations really work, and I mean, I, 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 they're they're really not playing a whole lot of minutes because they're not really contributing much either way. I it, at this point, I'm in favor of sending O'Connor down to Wilkes-Barre just so, just so he can play. Cause I don't think you want to stunt his development, you know, just putting him out there in, in this limited role the fourth line has. Um, and I, 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 I want to see O'Connor down in Wilkes-Barre playing, maybe bring up uh, <laughs> Tim Schaller to an NHL contract. He, he's, he's good in those uh, kind of battle areas. But uh, other than that, I have no ideas. Well, luckily our next guest might be able to help us on that uh, subject. Uh, starting coming in the third segment, we will have the play-by-play man from the Baby Penguins, Nick Hart. He'll be joining us, so please stay with us on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. You're listening to the 66-87 to 87 podcast. to 87 podcast here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Radio. There's no segue into our next guest, uh, the fine play-by-play guy for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Baby Penguins. Uh, pleased to be joined by Nick Hart. Nick, how are you doing today? Doing great, guys. Absolutely thrilled that we're now uh, we're in the midst of it here. We waited a long time to get our American Hockey League season started and now that it's it's full speed ahead, it is we're stressed, we're busy, but it's the best kind of stressed and busy to be back in action during the season. And you know, I'm so used to putting our players and coaches in the line of fire of, of Taylor's questioning that I suppose 
that it's turnabout's fair play. I guess it's my turn now. So let's talk some hockey. Let's have fun with it, guys. <laughs> just, just what is it again for you guys? There was no bubble. There was no postseason bubble. The season just ended abruptly. And for a lot of these guys, this has been a long, long wait. Can you sense the excitement and just for these guys to get back on the ice and get competing again, even if it's in an empty arena? Oh, absolutely. I can even speak to our very first day of training camp. As soon as you walked in the building, it was palpable in the air. It was just this feeling of, oh, we're back and every single person is excited. I compared it to uh, whenever you leave the house for a little bit, you come back and your dog is just so excited to see you. Everyone was a golden lab that day. They were smiling. They were jumping all over the place, bouncing off the walls. Everyone was so excited just to be back on the ice, seeing one another. Of course, a little bit different with all the protocols and everything everyone has to go through, but it was so much fun. You could sense the excitement in the air. Now it's a lot about business. Now that we're a handful of games into the season and the pleasantries of, oh, good to see you, oh, it's great to be back, or in the rearview mirror, everyone's trying to get better every day and win hockey games now. For you, what, what's that like calling games in an empty arena where you don't really have that, that energy from the crowd to feed off of? You know, it's funny. Uh, the first couple of preseason games didn't really notice much of a difference, albeit we were in uh, different environments. The practice facility that the New Jersey Devils had, which is where Binghamton's playing out of, and the PPL Center in Lehigh Valley. I mean, preseason games are never exactly a hot ticket to begin with. But it was that first home game that we had at uh, Mohegan Sun Arena at Casey Plaza where the team came out onto the ice, the lights were down low, the music was playing, and there was just no response at all. That was the first time where it kind of you know, kicked me in the face. Like, oh, this is uh, a little bit different. This is definitely strange. Um, realized it very early in that game. But once they actually started playing, once again, once they were involved in the action, you too just sort of get engrossed in what's going on on the ice and you don't notice the lack of fans until there's a singular moment. Like I said, they come out on the ice or there's a big goal or something like that. And there's just no response. You'll notice it at different moments, but for the majority of the game, you're just involved calling the action. You don't notice the, the absence of fans so much. Yeah. It's a, it's a new team on the ice too. I mean, it's what only like four or five skaters returning new head coach. What, what do you think the identity of this team is this year? Yeah, that's been a, a huge uh, learning curve for not only the players, but also the coaching staff themselves. J.D. Forrest was an assistant with the Penguins the past four years, so he's familiar with the organization. But he has a new staff surrounding him in addition to all these players. Everyone was kind of wondering, what is this team going to look like once they actually get out there? And I think very early in training camp, before they even dropped the puck on a preseason game, it became very apparent to what this team was going to look like, how this team was going to try and win games. And it was to try and shove their forecheck down your throat. This is a team. This is a team that, based on the talent that they have, the players, the individuals that they've either brought in, young guys on American Hockey League contracts, or free agents signed by Pittsburgh, or returning players that have been drafted or signed by Pittsburgh. These guys just gnash their teeth. It's a collection of players that love to bulldoze down low in the corners, pour on the pressure. Goals might be hard to come by for this team just from a pure skill, talent level, tic-tac-toe passes. Those guys are kind of a few and far between on this roster. But based on the fact that, hey, everyone's dealing with this long layoff that you mentioned before, might be hard to get back into the swing of things right from the get-go. 
the Penguins are a team that might be well-equipped for a season like this because they're designed to disrupt, disrupt, disrupt. If you can never find your game, you're going to be probably playing from behind a lot. The Penguins are looking to take uh, advantage of a lot of those mistakes and whatnot. So it's a season where it's going to be a lot about pouring on the pressure, forcing the opponent to make mistakes, wear them down over the course of 60 minutes, and they hope that can result in a tons of wins throughout the shortened season here in the AHL. Yeah, who would you say some of your your uh, you know the highlights or the the stars, the standouts have been through these these first three games? Well, I think a lot of the guys, uh, three guys that are on the Penguins' top line have been impressive. Guys that we thought were going to be good have come in as advertised. The new captain, Josh Curry, one of the most reliable goal scorers in the American Hockey League the past few years. He has come to the Penguins and done exactly that, scored goals. He's been great on the power play, great in the locker room. Everything everyone said about Josh Curry, we've seen it with our own very own eyes since he joined the Penguins. Tim Schaller. Bit of a surprise, late addition on a PTO to training camp, signed to an American League deal right before the start of the season. Good two-way player, hardworking guy, and he creates offense through that hard work. Nick Schilke is a little bit of an under-the-radar player. I think he's been even better than what I thought the, the Penguins were going to get. Described more as an energy spark plug kind of player, and he is that, but he's been creative. The only guy through three games for the Penguins to have a point in each of their three games He's a guy who's hard on the forecheck, great speed, only on an American Hockey League contract. But I wonder, you know, what, where he is in his development, if there is potentially some sort of bottom six NHL upside for him. That top line, Curry, Schaller, and Schilke, all three of them have really impressed me through the first few games. And I think Cam Lee is taking a lot of headlines, too, right now. He's better than I thought he was going to be, too. And I think the Penguins coaching staff is absolutely thrilled with what this young man has been able to display through his short time here in the American Hockey League, because it's a difficult adjustment for any player going from the college ranks to the pro game. Cam Lee is just so smooth and creative and unpredictable in ways that I didn't see it paying the kind of dividends that it has so far for the Penguins. He has been impressive, and I'm really interested to see how he continues to develop throughout the course of this year. Yeah, you just named four of the five uh, top power play guys, too, <laughs> along with Zahorna. I mean, that that unit's been really good, too. I think number six in the league right now. I just, from watching, you know, Pittsburgh's power play and then going to watch Wilkes-Barre's power play, I'm just uh, surprised to see shooting uh, after watching a lot of Pittsburgh's uh, power play. But, I mean, yeah, what have you seen from that that unit? Because, I mean, power the special teams have been streaky in the past, but it looks like not really a problem this year. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we are working with a small sample size. It is still early in the season. But like you mentioned, Taylor, this is a group that isn't afraid to shoot. And that had been something that perhaps plagued power plays even down here in Wilkes-Barre Scranton over the past few seasons. They'd be streaky, get hot for a little bit, then get cold for a long stretch of games. And every time they'd say, oh, we need to shoot more, we need to shoot more. But then you never really saw it come to fruition. This power play unit from the very first game, they are not hesitating at all to throw the puck towards the net front. And there's a couple of things that I think come into that. One, as I mentioned before, Josh Curry led the Bakersfield Condors not only in goals but shots last season. I believe he was top five in the league in shots on goal. And he's just peppering goalies. Anytime he gets a lane, he's not thinking about, oh, well, maybe I can fool them, fake them out, and then dish it over here. If he sees a chance to shoot, he's going to take it. And with a guy who has a skilled shot like that, that kind of talent, you love to see it, not fooling around. You're going to give me the shot. I'm going to take the shot. Cam Lee's a great distributor at the point. Redeem Zohorna, he's willing to pull the trigger. And all of that comes together at the net front. Once again, I'll mention 
Tim Schaller, such a good net front presence guy, hasn't been rewarded with any sort of tip or rebound goals in the few games the Penguins have played so far, but he just stands right there, and the goalie cannot see through him. So if the Penguins are shooting from all around the perimeter, it's going to create difficult chances for the opposing goalie. I think that's why the power play has had success early in the season, that even if that first shot doesn't go in, they're going to get a second, third, or fourth opportunity because the goalie can't see around Tim Schaller. Yeah, what have you seen from uh, Emil Larmy too? I mean, it just the it seems like his, his maybe a confidence or just how how calm he is is really improved from last year. I just think uh, I think that was the second game, the one against Hershey, where he, you know he kind of misplayed the puck behind the net, and then the way he just responded from that was was so good. He's been a huge positive for the Penguins in the early goings of this season, and the stat line may not necessarily look pretty for Larmy, a 500 record, 1-1-1, one, one, and one, a goals against average above three, and a save percentage under 900. Those numbers do not do him justification. He has been probably the best player on the ice for the Penguins in all three of their games so far. Some of those games could have gotten really ugly whenever this young and experienced defense corps for the Penguins started bleeding opportunities, and Larmy would be turning aside every single grade-A opportunity the opponents could get. He was keeping the team in these games. If we could look at the big picture for a little bit, one of the reasons that not just the Penguins, but the entire American Hockey League wanted to get back to playing this season was so that these players that had no other outlet, a few ways to play otherwise, they could improve. They could develop. That's the whole point of the American Hockey League, a developmental league. You put that on Emil Army, and you see already the improvements, the steps he has taken since where he was last season as a rookie with Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, and Wheeling, and what he's already done through three games, this is why the American Hockey League wanted to play this season because the confidence is up. Uh, he's playing a little bit more controlled in his net, even though he still maintains that aggressive and very athletic style. Um, he's not getting down after letting in a goal or two. As you mentioned, he had that flubbed pass uh, behind his net that Hershey quickly turned into a, a goal scored less than two minutes into the game when the Penguins took on the Hershey Bears a week ago, and he just snapped right back in to number one goalie mode. Last season, he would have got frustrated. That would have gotten to him. This season doesn't appear to be the case. He's maturing technically, and he's maturing between the ears too. And I just hope that development continues for Larmy because he's one of the personalities it's really easy to root for too. Just such a great and, and funny kid. Do you think he has a, has a goal in him this year, scoring a goal? Because he, he tried last year. Didn't really go anywhere, but uh, I know that's that's one of his goals. <laughs> he wants it. He said last year, by the end of the season, he wants to either score a goal or get in a fight. And he tried both <laughs> to no avail last season with Wilkes-Barre Scranton. This year, hey, he got a shorter schedule, but it looks like he's going to get the lion's share of the starts for Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Yeah. He, he's also been aggressive coming out of his net to play the puck to varying results. But, you know, he's a guy who handles the puck well enough that if you're going to dump it in and your net's going to be empty, he's going to go for it. You know what? It wouldn't surprise me, too. A lot of times you say, oh, they're up by two goals or three goals and the other team pulled the, the goalie and it's an empty net. Maybe the goalie's going to shoot. Larmy might shoot when they're just up by one goal. <laughs> yeah. I think he'll go for it. I really, really do. So we'll see. I guess the, the clock's ticking for Larmy again to see if he can reach that uh, self-proclaimed benchmark of goal or fight by the end of the season. Yeah, another guy I wanted to uh, to talk about, you know, Pittsburgh fans really interested in Felix Robert. He just played that that one game uh, so far in the AHL, but just what do you think of his game? I mean, it feels like he's much more physical, gritty than you'd expect for a guy who's like 5'8", 5'9", like he is. 
Yeah, that's that's really the scouting report on Felix Robert. You not only look at his vitals where he's not the biggest guy, and then you see his stat line where he led the Sherbrooke Phoenix last year in points, finished fifth in the league in points, even ahead of Pittsburgh Penguins first-round draft pick Samuel Poulin. And you think, okay, so he's going to be a short little water bug type forward who creates scoring chances through pure skill. He has that skill, but the grittiness that's on display from this young man through just one game with the Penguins, it blew me away and knocked my socks off. And his very first shift in the American Hockey League, he was right in the pocket of the Syracuse Crunch defenseman. And right away, you could tell they were like, oh, who's this guy? Because he's right on top of him, right on the action. Even though he's small, he's got a sort of a thick build to him when you see him off the ice. Very strong. One of the best guys testing in training camp in terms of his pure strength. So even though he's a small package, there's a lot of power inside of his batteries. So I'm interested to see once again how he moves forward throughout the season. The debut, very, very promising. He ended up with an assist, maybe even deserved more than just one point for the way he played through one game. But I get the feeling if he can do that consistency, he'll be in the lineup far more often than not for the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins and probably get some opportunities in all three situations, even strength, power play, and the PK. Yeah, last uh, last one I want to ask about. You, you saw a lot of P.O. Joseph last year. Are you surprised at all to see, you know, what he's doing this season? Um, I want to say no, but I am. And I mean that in the best way possible for P.O. Because when he first came here to the American Hockey League, he, he wasn't some shining star defenseman because I tell this to people all the time. It is such a hard adjustment to go from junior or college to the pros, especially when you're just 20 years old like P.O. was. Then he had his battle with Mono, basically missed the entire month of November. wasn't really until January that he really settled in. And then with each passing game, he got better and better and better. The accelerated timeline of his development was like nothing I've ever seen before, and especially for a defenseman in the AHL, that by the time there was the stoppage, he was the best player on the ice every single game for the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins. There was no doubt about it. So... You knew you had the feeling that he was NHL ready, but you're kind of like, okay, maybe P.O. gets the games here and there, and I bet he'll handle himself well. I knew that was going to be the case. I didn't see him playing 20 minutes a night, top pairing. I I didn't see it coming, to be honest, and that's not a knock on P.O. You just look at the circumstances and don't think that's the way the chips are going to fall. But I'm just so happy to see him not only in that role, but playing so dang well. Another kid that's just... It's so easy to root for him, a, a true good guy. Um, one of my favorites that came through the Penguins locker room last year, and it's exciting to see him doing so well so quickly in the NHL. Penguins fans should be really, really happy and excited about what he can bring to the table for the future of the black and gold. Yeah, I remember I talked to him uh, when the AHL season shut down, and I told him, I was like, you're like an expert at this quarantine thing now after what mono and then this. And I said, you know, what's your advice to everyone? And he said, you just have to keep your smiles, which is like such a PO answer. (laughs) Such a PO answer. Oh, my goodness. And you know what? There's no chance you're knocking the smile off his face anyway. And that's proven true throughout the long break from the end of the AHL season to the start of this NHL season. And now what he's already doing in the NHL, you're not – knocking that smile off his face. You can hit him once, twice, three times. It's not going anywhere. It's just too bad Tampa's not in their division, so we, we you know, we can't see him play Matthew. Because remember what Syracuse, when when they were in town, Matthew was down in the AHL, and uh, they had some pretty heated battles. Uh, I remember what 
there's one point they ended up in the penalty box at the same time and they were yelling at each other and uh, I know they had some like that in juniors too so uh, maybe yeah it's, yeah that's one of the stories P.O. told me uh, early in his tenure with Wilkes-Barre Scranton talking about playing his brother they played each other a ton in uh, the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League because of the way their schedules are, are matched up and their parents had one rule for them one rule no fighting and in the first period of the first game they played against each other in the queue they both got matching roughing penalties at the front of the net Fast forward to the AHL a couple years later, and it was the exact same situation. I don't know if it was the first period that they went to the box, but they ended up marching to the sin bin together. And I'm sure mom and dad were, were shaking their head, but I'm sure they're so proud of what these uh, what their young men have been able to do because Matthew's having himself an exceptional season in Tampa Bay, too. It would be fun to see those guys go head to head. I guess we'll have to wait for seasons down the line to see Joseph v. Joseph. Yeah. Tom, well, Dave, any questions? No, we just, no. just go ahead, Nick. Go ahead, Dave. No, no, I think Taylor uh, pretty much uh, covered everything there. Nick, we were delighted to have you, and we're definitely, hopefully, we can have you a little bit back a little bit later in the season, uh, as as the, as the fortunes kind of unfold for this team. Uh, great guest, uh, great stuff. Uh, thanks for thanks for doing this today. No problem, guys. Anytime you want, you know how to reach me. All right. Uh, that's it for the 66 to 87 podcast on this Friday. Uh, check back next Tuesday. We'll have another one for you uh, for Taylor Haas and Dave Molinari. I'm Tom Reed. Talk to you later. <laughs>